will find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And we approach you because of the shed blood of Jesus. We come to your uh, throne not without blood. And we thank you for that shed blood that we apply by acknowledging that you, without you, uh, we are nothing, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for the uh, ability to enter into your presence, Father, always. We love you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, <coughs> amen, amen. Well, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about um, this holiday season. It's For the holiday season, it's also an Amos 9:13 season as far as harvesting souls is concerned. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> I know one, <clears throat> some of us are more inclined toward evangelism than others. I know it's a stronger gift in some individuals than others, but I think all of us believers are called to win souls for Christ. And I believe we can claim those blessings on the heels of another after another after another, just like we can. Amen material blessings because this really is for god's kingdom purpose this this season is that there is a a purpose to it uh that goes beyond mere material blessings for god's people and so we want to um acknowledge fully what god is doing and be prepared to uh, use our faith for souls uh, just like we use our faith for whatever else we consider a blessing uh, souls are very dear to god's heart uh, Jesus died for the sins of the world so that we could spend eternity with him. People are God's possession. We don't belong to one another. We belong to him. First and foremost, we belong to God. And, and God made provision to get us back into his presence and get back into relationship with him. And it all centers around the sacrifice and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The high priest entered into the holy place not without blood. There was always blood had to be applied so that uh, that entering in and he could minister on behalf of the people who were dependent upon the priest to um, to go in to minister on their behalf. Oh, Jesus is our great high priest. He's entered into the heavenly holy of holies, uh, not without blood. It's always with the blood. When we enter into the presence of God, it is by acknowledging the blood. If you know you've got something between you and somebody else, you confess that and allow the blood to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is a powerful, powerful uh, benefit of new new covenant uh, relationship with God, not the old one where their consciences always bugged them. You know, the, the, the blood of bulls and goats, the Bible says, could never purge man's conscience so that he could be delivered from dead works and serve the living God. When you are born again, the blood of Jesus purges your conscience from dead works. The, the Really, our souls are sacrifices that we make when we receive Christ. And I think this is real important because sometimes we pray the prayer with people and there's never uh, any remorse for their sin. There's never any deep conviction uh, for their sins because they're not offering their souls up as a sacrifice. You got me? So there is a sacrifice required on our part when we're born again. I used to tell people, I like to see me some tears. 
you know, when people get saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? There has to be a deep remorse for your sin or you just think it's it's okay. That's why we've got so many people still sinning in the church, you know, because, amen, because they have not really come through that door of repentance. And that has to be granted to them by God. And so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that because it's a holiday and I know y'all are going to be running into folk. You know who I mean. Them Christmas family parties, them office parties, all them party parties. And and this is the season where God is, is allowing salvation to come to, to all mankind. Amen. <clears throat> when the shepherds announced the coming of the Messiah as a baby, they said, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. So that blew everybody's mind as far as their expectation of what Messiah would be. What he would be, and so many times uh, the Jews missed who Jesus was because they didn't recognize the biblical signs of his coming, and so many people were looking for a full-grown man to come and do this and do that, you know, take take back the temple from Caesar and all this kind of stuff, bring him out from under Roman control, all of these things, and he simply wanted to save us from ourselves, amen? Yourself is the problem. It's everybody's problem, amen? And so Jesus came to save mankind for him, from himself, his sin, and to allow him access to God, the Father. That's wonderful. So that access is granted because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he expects us to extend that access to others. Amen. And so this is a good season, I believe, to pray and to thank God for souls being saved and to focus your faith on redemption and focus your faith because this is the season where Jesus came to mankind and we're remembering his work and, and his purpose in coming. And so when, when we talk about <clears throat> Salvation being extended, we talk about the shed blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from all unrighteousness and cleansing us from our sins. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, we see a, a picture of an Old Testament holiday and what was, was uh, customary during that time. And he says, uh, let me think. Ezra, uh, Ezra the scribe blessed the Lord and they were reading the law to the people and they, it had been such a long time that they had been in remembrance of God's law. Uh, many of the people who had never heard the reading of the law before were, were confused and perplexed. Then there were some older ones who had been in the nation of Israel in times past where the reading of the law was common. And they began to weep and to cry. And so Nehemiah told them to dry their tears. This is day is holy unto the Lord. It's not a day of sorrow and lamenting, but it's a joyous day. And in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, <clears throat> it says uh, I'm sorry, in verse 9, Nehemiah, which is the, uh, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. When he said that, then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. 
For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither, neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so this is a, a reminder to us as to what the holiday or the holy day is for. It's a day of rejoicing, but also it's a sacred day to God in that people who are, are once outsiders are now invited in. Amen. He said, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. So God, when God opens up a holy day or a holiday, he wants everybody to be fed, everybody to be filled, everybody to be joyful, everybody enters in. It's not just for certain people or, uh, you know, a certain religion or a certain faith, but in Christianity, we extend the joy of the Lord to everybody during holiday seasons, especially during the holiday of the Lord's birth. And so we're extending something out there to people for whom nothing is prepared. And that not, not just nothing in a material sense, but nothing in a spiritual sense. That means the sinner is allowed to partake of the Lord's table. Amen. And that he is to eat until he is full. He is to feel joyful. He is to uh, partake of what the believer partakes of. And that is extended to him. Now the Lord is our portion. And we know that. Amen. He is our spiritual food. He is our spiritual drink. He is our sustenance. He is everything to us. And so if there's nothing prepared for the sinner, we can extend our portion, that is the Lord, to the unbeliever during this time. I think God makes it easy for us. Amen. Amen. Because this is a time where, you know, they talk about a holiday season. Oh, you know, this is a time people get depressed if they've lost a loved one or they're suicidal because they might be lonely, all of that stuff. So God is preparing their hearts in that they feel uh, a desire or a need for fulfillment. So there's this spirit that that tends to run uh, throughout the earth, and it's a spirit of reconciliation, and it's a spirit of repentance, where people, it's easy for people because of reflection on their lives and the different things that people get involved in during these times. Many times people, if their their holiday isn't as... uh, nice as it it could be you know we've all had them i know i had some i've had i remember the the thanksgiving where i had to go to the mental hospital i remember the christmas when i was a kid where i was so hoping to have you know more toys and i got nothing you know because my parents didn't have anything and so we've all had bad holiday experiences and at a time where it should be joyful, it should be plenty and it should be everything that we want it to be. Somehow it didn't work out that way for us. And so this is a time where, where there's a time of high expectation and then there's low fulfillment. And so when we understand that about holiday seasons, we can be more generous and more giving and more inclined to to invite people in and, and to be kind to them, to to wish them a Merry Christmas. That's why the devil hates that, you know, when you know, when when he doesn't want people to be merry, he wants us to be uh, downtrodden and crazy and. You know, sinners committing suicide because nobody allows them to have one day of joy throughout the whole year. 
And so we have to be especially attentive to that and especially understanding that God wants people saved. He wants them to come to know him. That's the portion that is set aside for everybody. The Lord will be the portion of those who really, really need him and really desire him. For some people, it's wanting to see a loved one healed and wanting to see them delivered and and back on their feet again. Amen. And so we as believers can bring that to people. I mean, we really, really can. You know, sometimes it's good to keep a list of people that you want to contact around the holidays and call them. I was thinking about you today. I was, you know, I know it's tough and, you know, we've been praying for your loved one or praying for your son or your daughter. I know they haven't been well, but I'm just expecting God to do something really great for that person during this holiday. I'm asking God to do something wonderful for that person. And and that's bringing them into an understanding of hope, an understanding of love and an understanding of joy and peace in their lives. We have such a treasure within us in the fruit of the spirit just our words can encourage people beyond measure some times people have had an attitude about us because we're christians and, and this is a time to break the ice on that thing and bring them into a real understanding of what a real life christian is all about and so amen so we extend the love of god to people the peace of god to people the generosity of god to people then we can have one of those seasons where god is glorified and he is allowed this opportunity to show off his bride to the world through what we say and through what we do. If you look in the Old Testament, um, you'll understand that, that whenever there's a call for salvation, there is a call for household salvation. Amen. So this Amos 9.13 season is your season for household salvation. <coughs> Amen. <coughs> These times where you spend with family members where you don't usually see them, you know, they, sometimes uh, you can invite one family member and they say, well, so-and-so was at the house with me and I brought him along, you know, and that would be that, that person that you seldom see. Sometimes it's the rowdy side of the family, you know, the in-laws and the outlaws, and, you know, they show up at your house and eat all your food and wallow on your furniture and you know, and then leave like the locusts descend and swoop, swoop in and swoop out. <laughs> God had them come there. You didn't just invite them. God had them show up. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this is your time to be a child of God in front of the heathen. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you have to, you know, at least when they come to you, my feeling is when they come to your house, you can control things. Because, see, if push comes to shove, you can dial 911. (laughs) Me and Rachel sit up and watch, you know, we watch bad people all the time. So we were making up a song. let me see, what were we saying? We were singing, oh, my favorite things. You know, that's on these are a few. Yeah, yeah. It's like Magnum and Luger and AK-47. You know, you can bring them people out. <laughs> I know, ain't that bad? <laughs> and she's just running around singing it. It's just having a good time. <laughs> so, you know, if push comes to shove, you can pre off some of your favorite things, right? 
Anywho, that one was free. <laughs> and Smith and Wesson, you know, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but anywho, <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes you'll have to be at their mercy and go to their house. Talk about nervous. <laughs> but, you know, you're the sacrifice. You're the offering. You know, go be amongst them and allow God, amen, allow the love of God to shine. So that's part of our witness. But in Exodus chapter 12, I just want to bring you into remembrance of this so it, it gets in, in your heart and, and in your mind for the holiday season. Um, Let me see. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you to the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for the house. A lamb for every house. There's a lamb for every household. Amen. That's your loved ones. So the lamb is provided. Amen. And if the household is too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor, take him and his neighbor to the next house and take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. So in other words, this lamb was for household salvation. So that lamb is for the in-laws, the outlaws, for uh, the one that's in prison that nobody mentions his name anymore or thinks about him. Amen. Amen. It's for all of those. <clears throat> so with this, their Amos 9.13 season, consider that the, the season of household salvation. And ask God to make it easy for you to believe for the rest of your household to come in and to partake of that lamb. That lamb is provided for them. So they need to eat their portion. If they haven't partaken of it yet, it's still waiting for them to be eaten. Amen. So our great high priest has entered into the holiest in heaven on our behalf. So he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. According to the book of Exodus, that whole lamb must be consumed, none of it wasted. So there are people yet waiting to be saved in your bloodline, in your household. So they are yet to partake of their portion of the lamb. They need our prayers and our witness. Amen. They need both. So when we fellowship with family, we cannot get carnal, but maintain our walk in the spirit. Amen carnality can be uh, um, just you know ghetto or you know whatever you want to call it or it can be religious carnality amen they both stink amen you don't have to compromise with with people when they start you know if they decide they want to do karaoke and start drinking and all that kind of stuff you don't have to participate in that amen you just just let your light shine so let our love learn how to flow in the the fruit of the spirit to be kind and giving and forgiving let our love be without hypocrisy and uncompromising amen so there is a a narrow road right up the middle of things where the believer can walk and be that witness that god wants you to be it doesn't have to be same old, same old. 
you know. In fact, there's probably some relatives that haven't spoken to one another in years. You break that thing, you know. You ask the Lord to, to break that thing and make that thing change because God wants people to forgive one another and to love one another. We don't set the standard, God does. Yeah. <clears throat> what is the value, the true value of the souls that we love? Amen. Jesus paid the ultimate price. So we must carry out his orders and live his life before all men. Amen. So if the lamb was too big for the house, it was taken to the neighbors. So there are neighbors of yours. Amen. That need to partake of the lamb of God. We need to pray for neighbors to be saved. Amen. You know, sometimes people are waiting for something encouraging to come along in their lives. Think about the stuff that spewed out uh, over the airwaves, the television, social media, all those things. Say, for instance, if somebody is, is uh, say the television is their only company all day long. And they have to hear all of this, this uh, um, politically correct nonsense and jargon. And it's somebody who's maybe tried to hold on to sanity all their lives. And they hear, all oh, you can't say this. You can't call people that. You can't do this. It was unfortunate, but the, the, the people who were massacred in California, uh, one person that was a neighbor of the people that killed them said, uh, you know, we, we thought that they were suspicious, but we didn't want to be accused of profiling, so we never spoke up and said anything. And so we live in a nation now where free speech is something almost of the past because we're being conditioned, whether we know it or not, to not speak up when unrighteousness prevails. We allow unrighteousness to prevail. Um, What's his name? Dr. Carson started to go down in the polls from saying for saying he thought those people should have defended themselves instead of waiting to be shot. So being a victim now is something to be desired instead of fighting to preserve your life. That's why our military has such low morale anymore because they're not supported in what they're, they're called to do. And so we live in a land in a country where we are calling good evil and evil good. Amen. And you can be the witness in the breath of fresh air to somebody who's on the brink of losing hope about their life because there's no righteousness that they see anywhere in the land anymore. And so we have to carry this lamb to our neighbors, to everybody who needs it because our our neighbors need to know the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and of his shed blood. It's sometimes risky to share with neighbors. Now, I've, I've given uh, food to my neighbors, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's a risk because not everybody's comfortable doing that. And I don't care, you know, I don't care if I get turned down or whatever, but some people just never try and offer to share anything because they don't want to be refused or rejected. And that's the way it is with the gospel. We are giving living bread to people. This gospel we preach is alive. It is the living testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if when we set out to offer that, don't take it personally. Amen. If people don't want to receive what God has to offer. I think it's always good to share your testimony. Share something encouraging that God has done. So that when you, when you let your conversation be like that. The Bible says let it be seasoned with salt. You know, just sprinkle in some of the good things, the goodness of God, things that happen in your life. 
So not everybody is comfortable sharing food, whether it's natural or spiritual. There is a risk here. So you might suffer rejection or you might be misunderstood. I had a neighbor that, you know, we would, I would always cook on the grill and they lived right across the, the, um, the fence from me. And I would, I would offer sometimes, I said, why don't you have some of this chicken? I said, I just got finished cooking it. Oh, um, it's not that we can't afford our own. And I said, well, I didn't say that. I said, but you eat, don't you? You know what I'm saying? You see, people misunderstand very quickly generosity. Why? Because everybody's stingy. They're always looking out for themselves. And my husband would even get embarrassed sometimes. Well, quit offering them food. I mean, they, they could buy their own food. I said, it's not the point. The point is to share what we have because God has blessed us. You know? Amen. Somebody's got to do it. I remember talking to God about that. We would sometimes have uh, meals, you know, small meals because our, our meetings are long. You know, when you keep people two hours praying and in an hour worshiping and then another hour for the word so we would have a little something afterwards or in between just so people wouldn't crab you know and uh i can remember thinking one time somebody had made a comment i don't think i don't want to do this anymore you know somebody always doing a little bit and think they're doing a lot and (laughs) they didn't want to do their little teaspoon any longer and so I said, well, Lord, maybe we shouldn't do this. And, and the Lord told me, he said, you don't know, that might be somebody's only meal one day, you see. He said, and I want them to have that one meal, and I want them to know I provided it for them. And so it's not always what's comfortable to us, amen. When you offer Christ to people, it won't always be comfortable to you. But the whole lamb is to be eaten, amen. Everybody that's supposed to be saved, God wants them saved. And so we'll never know those who need to be saved until we open our mouths and share Christ with us. Amen. So whether we're rejected or misunderstood, it should not deter our offering and sharing Christ, the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. So you don't know when to offer, uh, when that offer uh, for salvation will come again. You know what I'm saying? You might be the last one on earth alive to talk to that person to offer Christ to them. And they may reject praying with you, but they'll remember, amen, when that time comes. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved if they're calling on him to be saved. And so we want to make sure that we offer Christ because you never know uh, when their last time is. I remember when I was saved, I overheard a woman giving her testimony and I, you know, at the time, I was thinking to myself, I said, oh, boy, what's she telling all her business for? And I was very critical of what she was saying. But little did I know that in six months' time, I would suffer a nervous breakdown and be looking for a word of hope to cling to. And God brought that conversation to my remembrance. You understand me? So it's always good to share the love of Christ with people, to share your testimony, whatever it is God's having you share. It doesn't mean that that person is going to pray the prayer with you or pray the prayer right away with you. But it does mean that they have the information that's needed and they have that that witness, that conversation that the Holy Spirit can bring to their remembrance. When they, you know, you start going through your file and trying to figure out how do I get past this problem. 
And how do I get my sanity back? And how do I get to be a normal person again? And then all of a sudden it clicks. I heard a conversation. Somebody said something about being saved. And maybe that's what I need. Amen. Maybe that's what I need. Amen. When we give out these seeds, they always bear fruit. You need to understand the gospel seed will always bear fruit. God means to save everybody who will be saved. In this end time, we're going to see multitudes saved. And not just, see, what we've had, I believe, in the earth has been more of a counterfeit of the end time move of God. You know, the, the false always comes first. That's just the way the devil is. Because he knows what the real can do. And so he'll try to get sincere people involved in something that's counterfeit so that when the real comes, they'll think they've got the real thing and won't let go of it out of pride or out of, you know, just wanting to hold on to what they have because they think it's so valuable. And so what we've had uh, in the body of Christ has been a, a, a romance with numbers. We think big is everything. Amen. I know I'm just like anybody else is. I look at some of these people on television with these huge meetings and I say, come on, God. <laughs> you know, what about me? When am I going to have, you know, 50 members, 100 members, 200 members, you know, stuff like that. And you look at that and you think to yourself, well, what is the real and what's not? You understand what I'm saying? I'm, am I really doing what I'm supposed to do for you, God? I mean, if, if I am, how come my numbers don't increase like so and so and such and such? And so some of it's good and some of it's God, but there's a lot of it that's built on mailing lists, television exposure. You know, there are agencies that you could hire to, that will show you how to get so many people on your mailing list and so many people, so many dollars so you can get on television. Once you get on television, you get in the right group of ministers and they endorse you and it's easy sailing after that. But God wants to build his kingdom based on who he sees coming into the kingdom at this time, whose heart is right for the things of God. Whose whose day is it to get into the kingdom? And so I believe the last move of God will be just like the book of Acts even more. Where you will see thousands of really saved people come into the kingdom. Because the spirit of God will pull them in. Amen. Instead of some gimmick where they, they're trying to get you to build huge numbers of people. There's so many places where, where they're, I call them warehouses. Where the so-called believers are warehoused and these people have never changed. They don't have any kind of understanding of what living for God is all about. They can sit under the word, but that doesn't mean that they live the word. And so God wants a people who are sincere and want to live for him and want to show forth his glory. They want to go out and get other people saved just like they do. You know, in the book of Acts, that was what the early church did. They would, they would preach and three, four, five thousand people would come into the kingdom. A whole city would be changed. And that's what God has in mind. It's good to do the one-on-one and we always do the one-on-one. But you know and I know we need more to get the job done effectively the way God wants it done. And so that's what he wants to do. In this time, this last move of God, as we call it, will be one of unique power. 
will be one of the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit where your children will be in school and begin to to speak and begin to turn the hearts of a whole classroom to God and nobody can stop them amen and the devil knows it's coming that's why he's putting up every barrier he can now to intimidate the believer to not speak and you see it you see him getting picked off one by one by one all the people that are prominent and have a voice now are going to have to sit down because they haven't had the heart of God to be able to administer this the, the correct way. And so God is working every minute of every day preparing the hearts of people to carry his power, to carry his knowledge, to con- carry his compassion, his understanding uh, uh, into the earth. And it's a wonderful thing when you see people's lives change for the good. Not just numbers, but change lives and change for the good. So he is raising up a people who have a hunger for the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to keep thinking it's somebody else that's going to do this. You know how you think about somebody performing miracles, God performing miracles through somebody, and it's always passing you by. You, get, you, you never let it just settle in and say, choose me, God, and see yourself actually doing these things. But I believe it's going to quit pass. We're going to have to quit passing it by, pushing it off and let it be somebody else. It's going to be me, Lord, because I may be the only person. And we're going to take going to heaven or hell very seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes, you know how it is sometimes you, you're lazy and you just want to go shop and get it over with and come back home. And, and somebody, you walk past somebody and you had, and you go home, something told me to say something to, we ain't going to do that no more. Amen. We're going to stop doing that. We're going to start stopping and doing what God wants us to do. Even if it's just sharing an encouraging word with people or allowing that person to understand that God loves them and, and they're important to God. You know, that, that could be an important thing to tell somebody. You know, that God loves them and, and that there's hope for them and encouragement for them. It can make the difference between whether they go home and kill themselves or wonder whether they go home and wonder what you were talking about and live another day. We need to ask God to use us to pray for the sick, to preach the gospel to all believers. You know, a husband and wife can do a lot of damage to the devil's kingdom. You know, you can you go through the supermarket and the husband get the men and the wife get the women. You understand what I'm saying? You pray for that whole place. <laughs> I heard a testimony recently and I'm encouraged by these things because I can see the the momentum for the power of God increasing in the earth. Uh, I was watching, I think it was YouTube and there was a, a pastor who was having his regular Wednesday night service and he said he said I don't have a thing I want to preach tonight he said I heard a testimony that so uh, uh, grabbed my heart he said I just want this young man to come up and share his testimony and there's a young man in the service like in his 20s and he came up and he told a story he said you know I was we were we were we've been studying about and, and pastors been teaching us about the uh, move of God and, and you know believers ministry and all that he said and I was in the supermarket recently he said and there was a girl the cashier was there 
And uh, he said she was deaf in one ear. And so he noticed that she had a hearing aid. He said, the Lord told me to ask her if she wanted God to heal her ear. And so he said, she said, okay, and took her hearing aid out. He prayed for her. God instantly opened up her ear, opened up her hearing. And he said she was so excited, she ran over to the next cashier in the next aisle and told that person. And they said, well, wait a minute. So-and-so is back here, another worker in the in the supermarket pray for him because he's got whatever whatever condition and 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 you see if and god wants to heal and so they said why don't you see if anybody else in the store wants to be healed so they put him on the loudspeaker clean up in aisle two you know god in aisle one anybody up here wants to get prayed for come up and this guy will pray for you and he said a man came in from the parking lot and he prayed for him and I forget exactly what it was. It was some kind of affliction where he was, his prognosis, what he was, he would get more and more crippled every day. And he said as, as he was going in the parking lot, he said, he said, I said to myself, wouldn't it be something if God would heal me and take all of this away? And sure enough, he walks in and that's, see, that's all the faith that was needed for that man to get his miracle that day. I'm telling you, it's phenomenal what God wants to do. And as believers, we must expand our faith. We must expand our expectation. And I know this is the season where it's going to be easy. The Amos 9.13 season is such a blessing season that anything we want to see can be seen. Amen. Anything we want to do, uh, God will do. I noticed when Bishop Russell was talking about the meeting I just had in in phoenix there was a woman that she used to be a part of our ministry some years ago and she moved and we hadn't heard from her in maybe like five or six years or more and she showed up at our meeting at in cleveland last year i think it was and she said that she really felt like god wanted her to be a part of us again but her problem was she was living out of town and she said well could you mentor me she said i know i can i said you didn't miss her she wanted to say she missed her opportunity when she was here i said those seeds that were sown then i said they're coming they're now prospering i said let's just focus on on prospering in this seed and so i went out there and you know as part of the mentoring i told her i said i think you're ready and she wants to do great things for god and i don't blame her you know i don't I don't discourage anybody from wanting to do great things for God. Not for self. There's a difference. For God. And so I get encouraged when I see people wanting to do those things. And so I've always prayed for the glory of God to come where, you you know, you don't really have to preach. You don't really have to let God do all the work. Let him, and he does it perfectly. And so um, during the healing school, I noticed that, and one of the gifts that God's always given me is being able to pray for broken limbs, busted limbs, people limp, can't walk, whatever, whatever, backs and stuff. And so uh, I noticed that there were people that would instantly come up and get their healing you know we're usually i'm looking out so oh boy we gotta walk you know because you, you walk them until the anointing catches up with their faith and, and and they can do it on their own and i noticed that people were just beginning to walk on their own and do some things quickly instantly with greater amen greater fruit and greater facility 
And so I began to realize that God had turned up the anointing, had answered that prayer. And I'm expecting more. See, what we have now isn't even close to what we're going to get because God is going to do more. He wants to do more for people. He wants to do more. So this is the season of good tidings. We can tell people good things are going to happen in your life. God's up to something good for you. It's a time of great joy. And you can say it with confidence. It's not just something you're telling people to try and smooth them over. You can say these things in faith. So this is a season of great joy and a peace through the ministry of reconciliation. So God wants all debts paid. He wants all, amen, he wants all sin debts paid, he wants all of them paid, so that we can live that Christ life before men. I thought I'd show you something in Esther about, and this relates to true repentance and how that works. Because I know many times we want to, quote unquote, lead people to the Lord, and uh, I think it's good to pray for God to to use us in those things but there is a process whereby people can come to true repentance because that's one of my little pet peeve things about uh you know some of the churches that are so large and and the people are so carnal this isn't right this isn't what god wants god wants people who have relationship with him through the repentance of their sins And so that they can be invited into his presence and and partake of the new life that God has for them. And and I believe when you have a, a church that just has people come in and they just jump around or sit or think they're getting a word and they never change, they're being cheated out of what God really wants them to have. You understand what I'm saying? They really are. And I know that God has a way to make sure that people get the real thing. So in uh, Esther chapter 4, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I wanted to show you how God invites people into true salvation. How that that process works. Um, You need to know that when sinners are approached by God, the death sentence is in force. Amen. Many times, and you'll see this with people who come to the Lord and and have what we call a life-changing encounter with God. They either think they're dying, near dying, or feel if they don't get a change in their life, they're going to die. There's, there's a death sentence in force. And that is because the wages of sin is death and they need a savior. If you are a sinner, the closer you are drawn toward God, the more you smell death or you sense death is coming to you. Amen. And so when, when God really invites you in, there has to be a relinquishing of your soul over to die so that the life of Christ can come into your soul. Your spirit gets born again. That, 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 that regeneration starts in your spirit. But your soul must be saved in order that you enjoy life in God. Because the Bible says that the blood of Jesus purges your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. How can you live every day? Feeling that you're saved, but your conscience is betraying you by telling you you're a sinner. See, and that's not what God intended for us. And I believe that there are many people who have been defeated by that 
that that lack of purging in their conscience because they don't understand that that's supposed to happen when you get born again. See what I'm saying? When you receive total salvation, there is an exchange where your soul dies to the old nature, the old carnal way, and you receive the mind of Christ, and your Christ, your life becomes alive in Christ, where you don't walk around in guilt. What is the purpose of getting saved if you still feel bad about everything you've done? You understand what I'm saying? And so this is a real work of the atonement. Where And I believe if people are, are invited into that, where they, under, they can expect that they're going to feel better and better about themselves. And as they commit themselves to renewing their mind in the word of God and, and picking up that word every day to get a refreshing in your soul, to get your soul fed, to get life in your soul and the word of God in there. Not to memorize and, and put in time with some scriptures. You know how we do. You know, we, we do our time in the Word every day, and it doesn't really do us any good. You know, I, I know I, I read the Bible, I do the through the Bible, so many chapters, and if I get behind on my chapters, oh Lord, i got to catch up on my chapters. It, it's easy to do. And instead of looking at that as my daily contact with the Lord, where I exchange, I have communion with him. I exchange my old thoughts for the new thought he has for me. I let go of the guilt of yesterday and what I didn't do right and why isn't this right and what's wrong with that and how come this hasn't happened yet. I let all of that go and I get that refreshing in my soul, that newness, the mind of Christ and the life of Christ in there. Where my soul is being regenerated. Amen. It's, it's generated new every day. It's coming alive to new things in God. Where I can expect new things. And the old things are really passed away. They don't bug anymore. And they're not contaminating your soul anymore. And so when sinners are approached by God, that death sentence is enforced. Because they, in, in, in many times when you are, are in God, this is why they hate you. Because there's a death sentence that approaches them every time God approaches. And it is for a reason. Because until they are invited in, that death sentence is in force. So sometimes we're tolerated because of divine protection. And our mission is to save the lost. So as long as you're preaching Christ, uh, you get an extension on your life. See? But they would rather kill us. And that's becoming evident now to Christians. We see how, how that death sentence is, is knocking on the door of everybody's heart. See, the fact that the Muslim wants to kill us all now is, is a sign of God's kingdom advance into those dark areas. It's not because we're just a bunch of, you know, uh, worthless people or we're powerless people. It's because the power is catching up now to the darkness and the evil that's in the earth. So in, in Esther chapter 4, this is where uh, Mordecai has been, uh, you know, he knows that there's been a decree for all the Jews to be killed. And so <clears throat> Esther has to approach the king in verse 11. And this is, this is what is true about approaching royalty, king. All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court. The inner court. 
the holy of holies, the holiest place where God resides, who is not called. There is one law of his to put him to death. Amen. Except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. And this is what happens when you preach the gospel. There's a death sentence that comes because you are asking that person to approach God in the holiest of relationships. And he is feeling that sentence of death and you're holding out as royalty. You're holding out the golden scepter to that person. You're saying that your sins can be forgiven. Would you confess your sins and ask Jesus into your life? You can be forgiven and life will come to you and you will live. You're not going to feel this death sentence all the time. And see, many times we let people go around feeling that uncomfortable death sentence and we don't perceive it the way we should and explain to them well you you can get rid of that all you got to do is is confess your sins and accept christ and live for him you can live but you must live for him now sometimes people will receive it then sometimes they'll go away and think about it <laughs> i want to sin another day huh and we all know people like that They think sin is much too enjoyable. But see, the golden scepter has been offered. It's been extended to them already. And that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember that there is hope for them. They're going to remember that life is extended to them. So we are tolerated sometimes because of divine protection and our mission to save the lost. But really, that death sentence that we offer, it's like, you know, uh, we're, we're holding something over their heads. That's why they want us to shut up. That's why it's all the politically correct stuff. It's to stop the preaching of the gospel and stop the advance of truth. It's aimed at the Christian whether we will accept that truth or not. And see, many times you'll see Christians compromise and just, oh, man, will they please not do that? You know, you get so upset with these people because they don't understand. They're walking in something they don't really understand. They're walking in a salvation. They have no clue how it happens. Huh? They have no clue what they're doing. I hate it when I hear it. And I'm going to just say it. The Osteens talk about, oh, we don't want people to walk around feeling bad and gloom and doom. Well, when is it? When, when have you, when did his daddy ever preach doom and gloom to anybody? I'm proud of his father's preaching. He got all those people really saved. Anybody who knew Lakewood Church would say, them people down there are really saved. Amen. They really know God and they really love God down there in that church. That's why that church grew and prospered the way it did. We don't want to make people feel bad. If you sin and you need to feel bad. But you need to have hope extended to you. Why don't they extend the hope of salvation to people the right way? You know, people never once. You, you have to confess your sins to be saved, folks. God has to. When that scepter is offered, extended to you, there must come a conviction in your soul for the wrong that you've done. You've got to turn that over and not want to do wrong anymore. You want to, you got to do right now. You just can't be waltzed into the kingdom and, and be one of the number. Huh? One of a number of, until the preacher can feel good about having the biggest church somewhere. It's a bunch of nonsense. <clears throat> that death sentence must be there until they accept the atoning blood of Christ. Amen? 
So the, the blood is not present as atonement for their sin as yet, but they can get that relief from the pressure and the, and the condemnation of sin. The human soul must come under conviction, which is a form of enlightenment for sin. Many times people don't understand what sin is. They don't understand what it can do to them eternally, any of that. They just know they've been living every day. And so when the Holy Spirit begins to put conviction on them for their sin, it is a form of enlightenment. It's not condemnation and it's not forever, but it is to enlighten them as to right and wrong. So the light or the truth must shine in inside and expose their darkness before repentance and confession of sin can allow the blood to do its cleansing work. One of the reasons that we're hated by a lot of the religions is because we're the only ones that have a blood-based atonement. The Muslims don't have that. Amen. They don't have a blood-based atonement. The Buddhists don't have it. Atheists don't have it. What we have is blood-based, and there's life in the blood. And so when you preach those words, those words come alive to them, and then that's when they fall under conviction for their sin. And so whenever it's blood-based, it's because there's life there, because a life has been shed, and new life comes into this person. So this is why their consciences are never cleaned and purged. So they go out and murder they go out and make up things that are going to get them to heaven or wherever they want to be. They have to do that because they've never had a purging of their consciences from dead works. So when we apply the blood through the preaching of the good news, then there can come a granting of access to the presence of God and, and get the death sentence out of the way for these people. But until then, they are under a sentence of death. The gospel always extends the invitation to confession and repentance and access, not condemnation. So with the gospel comes the invitation to repentance, confession, and access. That's what you're giving people. If you don't bring them to that point... You need to let them know that that God is there for them. You know, if you don't want to pray the prayer now, you don't have to. But God wants me to tell you this is the way to salvation. Jesus is the only way. I know you're being told that there are many ways to God and all paths lead to God. But that is a lie. And I'm asking God to show you that this is the one true way to salvation. And so when we talk about uh, sharing the good news with people know that the good news includes a change in their demeanor it includes a change in their countenance and includes a change in their understanding of life people think that life means just to go about trying to find a decent job trying to find somebody to hook up with all that kind of stuff and people are very frustrated with that because it doesn't work for most people anymore you see people are very disappointed. It's, it's you know, I want to marry somebody. I want to I can't find anybody. I can't find the right person. They've even got people now getting married without even looking at somebody. We this we so distrust ourselves. You know, imagine I'd be so nosy. I'd go and say, I said, "Well, I signed up for this, but I'm going to sneak over there and see what that brother looked like." <laughs> You know, I put the altar. That's a little too late for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, 
see what he looked like. <laughs> you know, or meet a family member and try to guess what he might look at. You know what I'm saying. But you know what? We're, we are so distrustful of ourselves. Amen. And we're, we're encouraged not to trust ourselves. You know, the politically correct and the media and the powers that be thrive on us feeling hopeless, helpless, and dependent upon them to tell us what we need and tell us what we want. But we have a God who understands us and has called his people to divine purpose. See, you'll never be, be uh, uh, in that group of people as long as you understand what your purpose in Christ is. Because if, if you never get married, if you never have a family, if you never, at least you know that you've done God's work down here on earth. You understand what I'm saying? You can know that much. And you don't have to worry about where you're going to go for eternity. You know where you're going for eternity. And you plan to take more people with you. So during the holiday season, folks, remember your Amos 9.13 blessing includes household salvation. Amen. A lamb for a house. Pray for those who have not eaten their portion of the lamb yet. Or pray for those who maybe you think ate a portion, spit it out because they didn't like it. You got me? That they go back and receive their portion again. They're backsliders around us who used to love God and used to come to church regular and do all those things and don't do it anymore. And so we've got to, to face it with God. Ask God, God, how do I, how do I witness to that individual how do i witness to my cousin how do i witness to my son or my daughter how do i witness to the can you send laborers if i'm not the one send somebody else you know but but let my witness be there let them know that they can always come and, and i'm always serving you you know keep me in a place where i can be joyful in serving you and i'm not dis- discouraged in serving you where i i, I can be a good witness for those people and always expect that people will come in always expect it this is the day today's a day of salvation this is the appointed time lord let them come in today let them let them not spend another day in the devil's clutches and in his care i can remember many many years ago i i had when i first found out about household salvation i made it my business like god i want to see all my family saved that was all I thought about it and all I prayed for it. And I, I was blessed to be able to see family members either uh, come to Christ through me or come into the uh, fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, different things like that. Some of them began to work in the ministry. And it was our baby sister that still hadn't come in. And, and uh, you know, I can remember praying for her right along with everybody else. But there had been an estrangement in our family and, and you know she didn't speak to anybody and we call I called for many years and she would her kids would say well she she can't come to the phone she's doing this she's doing that and so one day I just told the Lord I said Lord I just had enough of this I said this is her time show me what to do show me what to do and and there happened to be a, a woman that knew my sister and she was coming to our meetings and I never knew that she was there and then she finally asked me I think because she saw we resembled one another if that were my sister and I told her yeah and she said well well she she braids my hair she said and and, and I go and see her all the time and this girl began to witness to Jackie and begin to tell her she said girl your sister's over there doing it they really serve God they now they ain't phony 
It, because I'm sure that's all they talk about the phony. They ain't phony, honey. They really doing it. Oh, you ought to see what they doing over there. And I think out of curiosity, she showed up one day and she stayed. Amen. And so, <clears throat> amen. And my little sister Jackie, she was always the outlaw of the family. You know what I'm saying? Kept some stuff going and all that kind of stuff. But God. Amen. But God. Amen. But God. Father, we thank you for household salvation. We thank you for the Amos 913 season where we can expect, expect, expect. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is saying, let go of your discouragement. Just let go of it. You're holding on to it. See, discouragement can be a protection for you against disappointment. They run together. If you're not encouraged about somebody, you won't be disappointed if you don't get the results that you know you want. God says, just be honest with me. Let me know. That you want to see these people saved and I'll see to it. But let go of discouragement. Let go of disappointment. And there is an appointed time for each individual and you'll see it. Because I promised it to you, says the Lord. So ask me to let you see it and I'll see, and I'll let you see it. So ask me. Humble yourself. Ask me to let you see it and I'll let you see it. The Lord is saying some of you... Uh, don't expect much out of your families you don't you you know they don't go to church you know they don't worship me you know they don't serve me but you still keep telling yourself that you believe they're saved start praying earnestly for there's no reason why they shouldn't come to church and worship me says the spirit of god don't settle for less than what i'm expecting out of them lord says the lord if you're saved i want them saved if you lift up holy hands, I want them to do the same. They're entitled to that blessing, says the Lord. So expect great things. Expect my word to come to pass. If I said I'm saving your whole household, I am saving your whole household. Spirit-filled, worshiping me, serving me, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. So never be discouraged, folks. Always be encouraged about the things of God. I can remember I moved to Detroit. My husband uh, had been wanting to move. He didn't like where he was in the company. They were telling him the company, the the plant in Cleveland was going to close. And uh, he kept saying he wanted to move. That plan is still open. <laughs> we pray. I prayed for it to stay open, but he wanted to move anyway. And, and it was God's way of getting me here, but I didn't know it at the time. One thing my husband had promised me was that he would, he said, I'll start going to church with you if you, you know, at that time we had a school of ministry meeting on Saturday and I would, you know, attend a local, local church on Sundays. And so um, I can remember, you know, just thinking to myself, you know, I don't care because I'm got to go to Detroit. I don't care what you do. You know what I'm saying? You know, God saves people in spite of us sometimes. He counts the prayers we prayed. Your bad mood because you don't get things the way you want to won't stop him from saving people. Thank God. So their salvation is not your reward for good behavior. Amen. It's God's plan and we get to cooperate with it. 
but I remember us I wanted to we wanted to go I think we went to Canada somewhere we took the train to Canada oh, I know what it was it was uh Roberts Laird and was having a meeting over there Peter Youngren's church in Canada and uh Peter Youngren you know is a, a you know miracle ministry type guy demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit ministry at that time and so um we went into the meeting and um he answered an altar call. I was just sitting there, and they had an altar call, and I just looked up, and there he was. There. He used to be sitting beside me, and there he was up there in front. And the altar call was for those who want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so he went back there, and I said, well, he said, I think I prayed in tongues. He said, he just told me somebody touched me, and I, that I did it. I prayed in tongues. And that was the best gift he ever could have gotten because that put him in touch with God on a continual basis. See, that was for him. Amen. That was a blessing that was reserved for him. So don't ever shortchange your loved ones. They are entitled to have exactly what you have and then some. Amen. Everything that you have in God is for them. So don't settle for a little halfway confession a halfway salvation let let god bless them all the way amen praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up i'll pray for you before we adjourn for lunch